Hi again, people of marketing. Yes, you guessed it. This right here is a little ad. I'm not sure how much you know about Planable, but we're a collaboration tool for social media teams, helping marketers around the world create, plan, review, approve, and schedule social media posts. The best part is that you can try Planable for free. No strings attached. And if it strikes your fancy, we got a special offer just for you. Yes, I'm talking to you, dear listener who hasn't skipped past the ad. Go to planable.io slash listeners and use the discount code when upgrading to get 30% of the first three months. That is planable.io slash listeners. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, this is Xenia Montan and welcome to another episode of People of Marketing Podcast. I'm the founder and CEO of Planable, the collaboration tool for social teams, and I launched this podcast to take a sneak peek into the lives of top marketers. Every week, we explore the story of their careers, the choices, mistakes, wins, and imperfections of their work life. My guest today is Michaela Kron, the lead PR and social media manager at Duolingo, the most popular language learning platform and most downloaded education app worldwide with over 500 million total learners. As part of Duolingo's in-house PR team, she manages media relations and leads social media strategy for Duolingo. Before joining Duolingo in October 2016, Michaela led PR for Common Bond, a financial technology startup in New York. She received a Bachelor of Science degree in Media, Culture, and Communication from New York University. Michaela, thank you so, so much for joining me today on People of Marketing. Thank you, Zania. Happy to be here. Yes. So I want to learn and I want to know everything about your background so far. And I think the best way to kickstart this conversation is by um, you telling me, you know, what's the first interaction with marketing that you can remember? Yeah, sure. So I would say that it all started in college for me. I went to NYU for undergrad and there I majored in media culture and communication And during my time there, I took classes in both marketing and advertising. So that was really kind of my first taste of of marketing and and learning about it. Those classes really formed a lot of my foundational knowledge of marketing. And we we both know, all of us marketers know that this is a huge discipline. It's very vast. There's a lot that is part of marketing. And, you know, so what I, the class that I took in marketing was quite broad But coupled with my coursework, I also took on internships. And that kind of gave me a bit more narrow knowledge of the space and taught me kind of what I was interested in versus not. But my first uh, marketing internship uh, was actually at an advertising and marketing agency where I really got my first taste of the professional world for these disciplines. Right. And then you, you started your experience in the marketing world in, a, in an agency and you spent some time in that agency afterwards, right? Like about three to four years from what I can see on LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken. What made you switch from the agency world to, to the tech world? Yeah, yeah. So my first job out of college was at a boutique uh, PR agency in New York City. 
And it was there that, you know, I really got to build up my experience with financial services clients in particular. Mm. As an agency, they didn't specialize, but I happened to be put on a lot of the more financial focused accounts. And that involved just a lot of learning about industries that I previously had no knowledge of. Yeah. So I was reading a lot. I was doing a lot of research, asking a lot of questions, everything that you do when you're kind of getting up to speed and working with new clients and continuing that work. And it was a great experience. I was able to move up in the ranks, even though the agency was so small, there was a lot of growth opportunity for me, which I really appreciated. But there was a point where I reached, it was, you know, I was there for close to four years and something in me said, you know what, this is a good time just to make a change in order to further build my career because it was my first job out of college and I knew I wanted some different and some additional experience. And so when I was, you know, conducting the search, um, I was pretty active on a career site called The Muse. Um, I, I really love the way that they portray companies and positions. They really focus a lot on company culture and giving yeah. you kind of this inside look into companies. So I was following the Muse for a while and just like checking out what openings they had in New York City um, for PR related roles. And I came across one um, that was open at Common Bond, which is a uh, financial tech startup that focuses on lowering the cost of student loans. So, you know, a strong mission there. And the role just sounded really interesting to me because, you know, yes, it was financial focused, but it wasn't just straight traditional finance. It, they, they had this tech component, which I was also interested in exploring. And that wasn't something that I necessarily had at the job that I was in at the time. So, all of that kind of taken together made it seem like a really good fit for me and ended up applying and went through the interview process and was hired there. I started in March of 2015. Right, right. And then tell us a little bit about, let's zoom in into your current um, position at Duolingo. What does, you know, a typical day, if there's such a thing, look like in, um, you know, in your life, in your work life? What does it mean to be the lead PR and social media manager? Basically, what do you do at Duolingo? Yeah, yeah. So I um, just celebrated my fourth Duoversary. Yeah. Um, that's what we call them. <laughs> yeah. So I joined in October of 2016. Um, so just past four years there. And it really feels like it's just flown by. Um, during the four years, we've grown so much in terms of the, the team headcount, but mm. also our products and features. It's a completely different product than when I joined. And it's been really exciting just to watch that growth. But over that time, my role has also changed. So I started as a PR manager. Um, that, mm -hmm. that was my first title when I joined Duolingo. And I've been fortunate to have been able to be promoted twice uh, during my time and just been um, given additional responsibilities. Uh, so when I started, I wasn't doing anything related to social media at, at Duolingo that was managed by a different team member. And when that team member moved on to a different role internally, um, the, the keys were kind of handed over to me um, and our head of PR as well. So uh, social media kind of fell under the PR team bucket in that case. And so, you know, taking on ownership of social media was interesting because it really essentially meant splitting my time uh, between PR, uh, which really entailed, you know, primarily getting stories out there about Duolingo, our, our key news, messages, features, updates, anything that 
would be deemed newsworthy to reporters and an external audience. So, you know, that was a big part of the role. Anything else that you could think of that falls under the PR umbrella, you know, we were kind of handling. And then there was the social media component, which, you know, is, you know, it's, it's related, but obviously quite different in terms of like the day-to-day work. So, yep. you know, coming up with the content that we were going to share, setting up a strategy, making sure that, you know, we were getting everything right in terms of the voice and, and guidelines that we were following and engaging our audience. I, I think above all, we wanted to make sure that we were creating engaging content, um, especially as this was our owned channel and we had kind of full control over that. Um, I will say that, you know, the role has changed, like even since I have taken on social media, um, we've expanded the social media function at Duolingo. So this past June, we hired our first like 100% dedicated social media team member. Um, She's our social media coordinator and she reports into me. And together we kind of set the strategy and, and execute the strategy for social media at Duolingo. And just having her on board has been amazing because we're able to do so much more than I was able to do when I was kind of doing it 50-50 with, with PR. So um, that's kind of in a nutshell, my, my role and how, how that's actually evolved over the past four years. That is, that is so interesting. Tell us a little bit about the, the nitty gritty of the day-to-day. Like, what does it actually look like? What's the first thing that you check on your, you know, on your phone in the morning? Do you have any routines across your day? How do you stay you know, focused? Uh, help us get a sneak peek into, you know, what it actually looks like. Yeah, yeah. So um, I start my day, uh, honestly, I'm pretty glued to my phone and and with that, (laughs) my email, um, just because that's kind of the nature of PR. You um, you generally have to stay on top of everything that's coming in. And especially if a reporter is is in your inbox, you generally have to be responsive to that depending (laughs) on the urgency and the deadline. And so, uh, you know, first thing I do is check my email. And then I do my daily Duolingo lesson. Can't forget that. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, my email reminds me to do that. So um, that's usually like the second thing that I do um, after waking up. And I'm pretty proud of my streak. It's just over 1,465 days. So what I, languages uh, are, you, are you learning at the moment? So I have been focusing on Chinese. Uh, we offer a Mandarin course. And that's primarily because I studied abroad in China when I was in college. And mm got a foundational knowledge of the language when I was there. Of course, I was immersed in it. So I was like, it was easier to pick up on it. But I, I've been amazed by how much Duolingo has helped me in terms of picking up the basics again, and then building upon that by learning newer concepts. So yeah, that's been super helpful. And then I think like when I get started with the day, like I'm at my desk and, you know, at my computer, I always check our press inbox kind of as the first thing. And, and that's kind of a separate email than, than what goes into like my, my main work email. Our press inbox tends to be a catch-all. So yes, there are a lot of press inquiries that come into that, but there's also a lot of customers who are reaching out and learners who are reaching out, whether it's you know, customer support related questions, which get forwarded on to a different team, or um, from time to time, we actually get these really amazing heartwarming stories that our learners are sharing about the impact that Duolingo has had on them or a friend or family member. And, you know, sometimes that actually sparks an idea in terms of, you know, a social media post. We, we recently shared this really great story about a father and daughter who have been learning Portuguese together during this like stay at home period, just to better kind of connect with their roots and keep their minds challenged. 
And so, you know, and that just started with a press email that we got. So it's pretty amazing kind of what even checking that can do in terms of like informing, you know, what we share on social media the following week um, or anything. And I think more generally speaking, my days look pretty different just depending on, you know, what's going on and what's ahead. So it's definitely a lot of meetings. We're very cross-functional. So it's important for us to have constant communication and syncing up with different colleagues across teams, just to make sure that everyone is kind of on the same page and, you know, that we have what we need from different teams when it comes to PR and social initiatives and that they have what they need from us as well. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We all want to achieve the same you know, end goal of creating a more sustainable world. So we've completely changed our marketing focus in that regard. And it's it's about how you can make a difference and whether or not that's with us or you go and buy something from you know someone else. And that people have appreciated the honesty. And so we're, we're happy with it. That was Christian from Mountain Talking, who just made our social teams 100 top. You can check out the list at planable.io slash social teams 100. That's planable.io slash social teams 100. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Right, right. You know, you have to juggle with a lot of things. As, as you mentioned, you know, you're glued to your phone and, and to, your, to your email. And I'm curious in terms of focus and in terms of productivity, every one of us has this ideal productive self that we're striving towards and we're probably never going to reach it, never going to reach peak productivity. But I'm curious, what is that one thing that stands between you and your most productive self? What are you struggling the most with in terms of improving productivity and, and focus at work? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I generally am able to, you know, focus pretty effectively and be productive. I think we always, we all have those days yeah. where it just feels like you, you can't get much done. Um, what I try to do is honestly, I live and die by my calendar. And right. if something's not in my calendar or in my reminders app, then I probably will forget about it. And that's the honest truth. So I'm really careful about accounting for everything that's important and kind of needs to get done. And that also includes setting focused work time. So one thing that I've been doing more recently is just blocking off time in my calendar um, with DNS, which is do not schedule, yeah. um, so that you know I can have that time um, to be heads down and focus on a task that like needs to get done and that I know that I just need that like, uninterrupted time in order to do. I think where I struggle is if I have meetings that, you know, it's a half hour meeting, I get a half hour break, and then there's yeah. another half hour meeting, right? Where it's like, you can't do too much in 30 minutes in the way of focused work. You can maybe knock out some emails and, and smaller tasks, but when it comes to like bigger things, I find that having a bigger gap of time to a lot to that goes a long way. Right. So grouping events in a way mm -hmm. so that it's, you know, one meeting to another and not, you know, no space between them. That's something that I'm trying to do as well. And, and uh, you know, what's challenging about having that window between two meetings, short window between them is, is just the switch 
uh, like switching from one meeting to deep work is extremely hard and then you only get you know 20 30 mm -hmm. minutes and then you have to go back to the next meeting and you have to switch again so you know yes. that mind switch is what's you know really you know really hard to um to master uh so you know i i can't yeah. agree more with you that's what i'm trying to do as well group meetings as much as possible <laughs> yeah um, it's a it's a good tactic <laughs> yes so you know talking about like skills and and habits i want to ask you um across your career what was that habit or skill that you struggled the most to develop you know it's no secret that marketers need to know a little bit of everything <laughs> to succeed we need to be this you know jack of all trades you know both hard skills but also soft skills so i'm curious what was the habit or the skill that you struggled the most to perfect yeah so i would say probably public speaking i think that's a lot a lot of people struggle with that especially kind of when you're you know up on a stage in, yeah. in front of many people the nerves just really come running in, mm. in that situation and I, I know it's a common phobia and, and fear for many people and it's you know i've definitely stumbled before when i've been in public speaking situations especially earlier in my career and it's something that i've had to really actively work on to improve you know so we had you know before covid and before we were all kind of working from home we used to at duolingo have a pretty regular group meet and and help colleagues out with public speaking so you know it would be structured in a way where you know you would be given a prompt and, and you know you would go up in front of anyone who was in the room at the moment and you'd have a minute and a half to speak to that prompt so it's part improv part you know public speaking and everyone there would give some structured feedback about you know what what they thought you did well during your mini speech and anything that they felt could be improved so you know it was both you know positive as well as constructive feedback that was given and that was a really valuable exercise it really actually benefited me because I had a pretty big speaking opportunity that I did last year in Brazil. Um, I was invited to speak at a conference over there um, about Duolingo, just kind of getting an overview of how we've grown and kind of the marketing and, and PR and social media tactics and strategies that we've used to help us grow um, to where we were then. Yeah. And I honestly spent like over a month preparing for that <laughs> because I knew I needed that. Uh, mm. I knew that I needed to feel comfortable enough with the presentation and the material. Um, and, you know, shortly before actually going, um, I took advantage of this group within Duolingo and basically ran through my entire presentation in front of my colleagues um, who were able to make it to that session and got some amazingly helpful feedback that just helped me further hone my presentation. And honestly, for me, that made all the difference. And when it came time to actually do it at the conference, I felt more than prepared. Yes, I was definitely still nervous, but <laughs> it wasn't the same level that I kind of experienced in previous engagements that I did with maybe a little less preparation. I can't agree more with you. I think the preparation is one single thing that helps you be more comfortable with speaking on stage. You, there's nothing else out there that can help you as, as much as preparation. At least, you know, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're not the type of person that can, you know, just improvise, mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely am not. <laughs> uh, I can't just swing it. Um, so preparation is the single, you know, most efficient thing for me to just make this work. And also something else that I found that uh, actually helps me a little bit with 
stage fear is if I get the chance to, you know, just be on the stage with the room empty or, you know, just with very few people in the room just to, you know, get myself comfortable with how it looks <laughs> from mm-hmm. the stage. I know that sounds ridiculous a bit, but that, that has helped me a lot. Just, you know, seeing the room and seeing the, the chairs and, you know, kind of getting the feel of how it is to be on that particular stage. I noticed that that helps a lot. Um, but I know, you know, public speaking is definitely a hard one, a hard one to master for anyone really. So thank you for sharing this. It takes a lot of dedication and just constant practice, which yes. sadly, you know, I haven't been getting much of uh, <laughs> due to COVID, of course. Yes, so. yes, true, <laughs> true. So I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to, you know, go back to your career and I want to ask you if you would, if you'd pick one moment, one proudest moment of your career, a highlight of your career. So one proudest moment, but also the lowest moment in your career. So basically a high point and a low point in your career, what would that be? Yeah. So let's see, I think high point, I would say um, one thing that just like stands out in my mind last year, um, we actually had like our our biggest sort of viral campaign for Duolingo um, that I really, I consider my baby. So I thought of the idea, I came up with kind of the strategy for it and saw it through all the way through its release. Tell us, Um, what was it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was around, this is going to sound silly, but it was around (laughs) April Fool's, Uh um, which is something that we've done every year um, for Duolingo. We kind of love to just have fun and be quirky um, with our marketing and especially on social media. Um, And so we've always embraced April Fool's. And in last year, in 2019, um, we had this campaign that basically stemmed from a lot of memes that I'd been noticing pop up on social media, especially platforms like Reddit and Twitter and, mm. and even Tumblr. Um, and they basically stem from the notifications that Duolingo sends to, to learners to remind them about their lessons. Um, we know that learning every day is key to actually, you know, retaining knowledge and, and you know, learning a language. And so that's kind of why we send these uh, push notifications yeah. to remind learners um, to actually study. And a lot of people f- have been finding them to be very persistent and <laughs> almost just overbearing and have kind of assigned this um, more or less violent and threatening personality to Duo, who's our mascot owl. He's kind uh-huh. of like the face of, of Duolingo for a lot of people. He's the one who's reminding everyone about their lessons. And so we noticed a lot of memes starting to pop up. And you know, one of the most famous ones is, you know, Duo holding a gun. It's obviously Photoshopped. <laughs> um, and it's, it's definitely not something that we ever would share ourselves. It's, it's definitely not on brand. It's, we would never want to position Duo in a violent or even threatening way necessarily. Um, but I knew that there was something there with those yeah. memes. And when it came time to actually like think through, okay, so April Fool's 2019 is coming up. What are we going to do this year? Um, I thought of a concept where we would um, launch something that took the dueling of notifications into the real world where, you know, Duo himself would like show up in person and remind <laughs> you to do your lessons. Um, the, the thinking behind that was we had this duo costume 
um, yeah. mascot costume. You uh, had to use ordered. it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we have this, we've never really used it. This is like the perfect time to debut it and, and put it out there in the world. And, and I think it'll do really well. I, I just had a hunch that it would do super well. It would really speak directly to the memes that people had been, you know, creating this whole time, but put our own spin on it. So that was very key. We, we had to keep it on brand. Um, you know, so what we ended up doing was um, we created a video um, and honestly, our studios and content team within Duolingo helped so much with making that happen. Um, even though it was my idea and I was very involved with it, it was very much a team effort. And so we definitely couldn't have done it without them. But, you know, we, we tried to be as scrappy as possible. Um, yeah. We made a short video, kind of like a commercial, a fake commercial for the product, which we called Duolingo Push. And it mainly starred um, Duolingo employees and, and um, spouses wow. and partners and, and friends. So oh, that's so awesome. I love it. I was in it. <laughs> yeah. So I appeared in it as well. And it was really fun. And we shot it, you know, in our office, around our office in Pittsburgh. And so we were able to kind of make that happen. And then April Fool's came around, we released it and it was just our most viral ever campaign. It got over 7 million social media impressions. The video, when we posted it to YouTube, got over 3 million views on our YouTube channel, even though we had fewer than 150,000 subscribers. So definitely outperformed. Got a lot of press mentions, over 600 of them. Normally, you know, we we would see maybe 20 press mentions of, of April Fool's prank that we did in the past. So this definitely surpassed everything. And I think above all, we saw a bump in revenue too, with people subscribing to Duolingo Plus and just like a bunch of new users being drawn to the product after seeing that campaign. So as silly as April Fool's might sound, it actually benefited our business, which kind of made me proud because I was able to like really directly tie those results back to something that I came up with and just thought it was kind of a funny idea, but then seeing the impact really brought it home. That is, that's such, a, such an awesome idea. I can't wait to, to check it out on YouTube after we talk. That's, that's a pretty good one. Now let's see, you know, the low point. The low point. So, you know, I was thinking about this and mm. there wasn't any one really low point for me. Um, I feel fortunate about that, but I would say yeah. that in general, and it's kind of a common theme is I've definitely struggled with imposter syndrome on a mm. number of occasions and just in different jobs that I've held and, and even in this job from time to time. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it really has had a lot to do with me being inside my own head a lot and doubting myself when in reality, I kind of know there was no basis for that. And I think what's helped me is just kind of having close friends and colleagues to talk to, along with, you know, of course, receiving praise for, for work I've done. Yeah. Um, Duolingo is very intentional about kind of rewarding work that's well done. And so I found that, you know, that kind of culture has really helped me overcome a lot of those feelings yeah. and, and just having people to talk to. But I, I think for anyone else, especially women, I, I find that it's very common among women. Um, I've I've talked to many who feel the same, but I'd always recommend kind of finding your allies in any given work situation and, and really kind of leaning on them in times where you might feel less than or just not good enough because, you know, chances are it's, it's kind of, it really is it, often in your head. And I, I think that's been the case for me a lot of the time, but that's kind of an overall theme that mm. I would probably share in this right. case. And also fully, fully celebrating and taking credit and being, 
happy of the wins you have, like the viral campaign yes. that you, you managed to pull off. Um, when it happens, you need to fully, you know, celebrate it entirely. Um, I can't agree more with you. That's, that's a really good one. Yeah, one thing I'd add to that is keeping a file or some sort of doc of all your wins and oh, praise that. that you receive, um, whether it's a Slack message that a colleague sent you, just kind of complimenting your work or your effort on something. Um, it could be as small as like, great presentation yesterday, or, or as big as, you know, like full-on praise for your partnership on a project. I think it really just depends, but just having that tucked away and being able to reference that you know, maybe when you're feeling down or when it comes time for performance reviews, um, I think that could go a long way too. I like this so much. That's a very, very handy tip. So I have one more question for you before we wrap up with our rapid fire session. And my question is, you know, about the industry, the social media and the PR world is definitely an extremely fast paced ever-changing dynamic industry and there's a lot of new buzzwords and new trends every single day out there in our industry and I'm curious you know what's one popular thing or buzzword that is trending today that you think is massively overrated or you know as you disagree with yeah so it's not really a buzzword but I will say that one common misperception of PR okay. in particular that I've heard often is that it's all about media relations and getting press coverage. And, you know, I will say that's certainly a component of it and often a pretty significant one, but the work is often about so much more than that. It's a lot broader. I, you know, for instance, there's just so much strategy, messaging, narrative work that goes into it, along with general reputation management. And I think, you know, we'd probably be well suited to sort of reframe PR as communications. Mm -hmm. And then that way you really see kind of how broad of a discipline it is. And the definition, you know, of course, tends to vary quite a bit on the organization too. Every company has different goals and expectations when it comes to PR and comms. Um, so in general, I think it's helpful to broaden its definition a bit more and not just box it in to media relations. That's something that, you know, I notice come up time and time again in conversations with other in-house PR pros that I'm connected with. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's around expectations and it's kind of around better positioning our, our own work that we do to broaden it and not just box ourselves in. I like this one. Very, very thoughtful. Um, okay, good. So moving forward, I have four quick questions for you. Quick, quick questions, quick answers. And my first one is personally, what's your favorite social media network? Ooh, I would say I like Twitter the most these days. <laughs> I, it's, um, I, I'm not, I'm super active about posting, but I love following people and just Lurking. Kind of staying up to date, <laughs> staying up to date on, on different takes and, and news. Got it. Got it. What's your favorite app or tool uh, you use at work? Definitely Slack. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm there as well. <laughs> I'm there with you. Um, worst advice you've ever received? It's too early to start saving for retirement. Um, I won't share who said it, but it was in my uh, second job out of college. Okay. Uh, if you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today, what else would you do? Uh, definitely something animal or pet related, especially with cats. I have one volunteered at a um, cat shelter as well before. So just really enjoy that. 
Wow, that's awesome. Michaela, thank you so much for this really great conversation and for taking the time to share your journey. I really, really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much, Zenia. I really enjoyed this. And for everyone else listening in, uh, thank you as well for joining. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe to People's Marketing on your favorite podcast app. Until next time.